Captain. Raging review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand. And let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alert! Alert! Ready! Who's that team ready? Who's that team ready? Yes, sir! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ladies, gentlemen, children, babies, Cajun Nation. Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of the Raging Review Podcast. I'm Jerry. I'm here with Nick. How's it going, man? It's all right, man. Um, yeah, it's going. I guess after I don't know what to say about after this weekend. It kind of put me in a foul mood. So, um. Yeah, it's it's election night in Houston. That's exciting. There's a lot going on there. Uh choosing between the lesser of evils, but um other than that everything's good, Jerry. Did you vote like a good American citizen? I voted like a good American citizen. Yes, I did. That's the spirit. There you go. But uh anyway, so we have a lot to talk about tonight, but before we do, let's go ahead and thank our sponsors, you know, the group of people who pay our bills. Starting off with Mr. Brett Venable, Recovery Chiromed. Have you been in a car accident or hurt yourself lifting on the job? Are you having neck pain or back pain, but don't really want to deal with a long, drawn-out process? Then call the chiropractor Raging Cajun athletes use for their neck pain and back pain, and that's Dr. Brett Venable. You know, the bottom line is you just need to recover quickly. That's where Dr. Brett Venable can make all of the difference. Dr. Venable and his integrated team of rehab, chiropractic, and medical doctors have three locations in Acadiana to serve you, which include Opelousas, New Iberia, and the main office in Lafayette. Dr. Brett Venable is one of the very few chiropractors recognized by the state of Louisiana as a chiropractic specialist. He is also the only chiropractor in the Cajuns Healthcare Alliance and the only chiropractor on the board at Tulane School of Professional Advancement. Before you start to stress about the process, remember, this is exactly why you pay for car insurance. These situations are exactly why you carry workman's comp. There's no need for a court date. Your first call should be Dr. Brett Venable and Recovery Cairo Med. No hassle, no waiting, and quick relief. Come and find out what our Rage Occasion athletes and over 10,000 Acadiana residents already know. For more information, call the Lafayette office at 337-988-2188. That's 337-988-2188 or visit recoverychiromed.com. And as always, we want to thank Brett for being an RCAF member and the exclusive chiropractic sponsor of the Ragin' Review podcast. Absolutely embroidery and more. We know how much Cajun Nation loves their gear. Here at Rager Review, we get all of our gear from Miss Phyllis Thibodeau and the team at Absolutely Embroidery and more. Absolutely has a massive inventory of Raging Cajun apparel to choose from. 
So if you can't find something you like, absolutely can make something you like right here or right there in the shop. And if your creation proves to be a popular item with other customers, absolutely will give you a little incentive for helping out the cause. So bring in your vermilion and white shirts, hats, shorts, socks, dresses, jackets, sweaters, or whatever garment you need to represent the Cajuns. Absolutely also offers customized embroidery services to promote your business on hats, polos, uniforms, etc. Absolutely rounds out the collection with an assortment of excellent accessories for the lady Cajuns in your life. Earrings, headbands, bracelets, clutches, and bags are just a few options to complete her spicy look. So pass by 3010 Kylie Saloon Road in Lafayette and see the wonderful ladies at Absolutely Embroidery and more today. They'll treat you to some quality Cajuns clothing, complimentary gourmet cookies, and a friendly conversation. If you're an out-of-town Raging Cajun, visit them on the web at absolutelyembroideryandmore.com. That's absolutelyembroideryandmore.com or visit their social media accounts on Instagram or Facebook. There you'll find pictures of what the ladies are putting on the shelves in real time. And if you do go on their Facebook page every week, they'll have uh, an update on what is in stock. Uh, this week they have some cool... Um, vintage raging cajun apparel especially for the ladies so again go stop in and they will treat you with first class customer service and you'll get some really really cool cajuns gear so shop where the raging review boys shop absolutely embroidery and more so once again thank you to our sponsors dr brett venable and recovery Cairo med as well as absolutely embroidery and more so anyway we got a lot to talk about tonight. We're unfortunately going to recap a little bit of that Arkansas State game, put a bow on it, crumple it up, and throw it in the trash like it was. Uh, we'll preview the Southern Miss game uh, as well as talk a little bit about women's and men's basketball. They officially opened the season. We'll talk about what's going on around the Sun Belt in uh, football and basketball. Talk some volleyball, little softball, and baseball scrimmaging this past weekend and a lot more. So let's get it started, Nick. Cajuns traveled to Jonesboro this past Saturday. Not the game we wanted to see, not the performance we wanted to see. Arkansas State, first win over the Cajuns since 2017. Cajuns drop a really, really tough one uh, by the score of 37-17. to 17. Cajuns' overall record now sits at 5-4 and four and 3, or I'm sorry, and 2-3 and three in Sunbelt Conference play. And let's just be honest. Let's cut to the chase. The team was unprepared to play. They they didn't show up uh, from the start. Arkansas State punched and punched us in the mouth. We couldn't respond. And you know, Coach Desimo said after the game, "This is on me. It's my responsibility." And I believe there were a few players that also interviewed post game and said we just weren't prepared for them. Uh, we might have overlooked them. Might have been a little too confident. And uh, because of that, now we're behind the eight ball and we have a lot of catching up to do, man. That's uh, it's dumb that we're even having a conversation where you're saying you weren't prepared for a game and that's on me that the team wasn't prepared. How, how, I mean, what do you have to do to get hyped up for a game when you're in control of your own destiny to win the West and, and you go out there and you lay an egg and we said it was a trap game and we thought it was a trap game. And, um, I, I just, I, Again, the inconsistency on this team is Jekyll and Hyde. Every week, you never know what you're going to get. It's like Forrest Gump. You know, every time you open that box, you don't know what you're going to get. And that's what we I feel like with this team. I mean, they show flashes of brilliance and and domination that you think they could run the table. 
on the entire league. And then other times you don't know if they can beat ULM in a couple of weeks. So, I mean, the fact that we're in week 10 still having these conversations on why we can't get our guys prepared and, and, and manage the details and do the little things to win is a little concerning a year and a half into, into this regime. So there, there are so many things that we saw during this game, and I went back and I grudgingly watched some of it again as much as I could stomach before I got sick. Um, and, and, I mean, there, there's no question that coaching, execution, special teams, mentally, we were just outmanned, outplayed, outcoached, out everything against a team that got blown out 70 whatever to three by Oklahoma state or Oklahoma, excuse me, or whatever that score was 70 to a lot to very little and blown out a couple of times this season by teams that, that aren't, you know, making noise anywhere in, in, in FBS. So it's, it's concerning. And, and what's concerning is that you have to go into a game against Southern Mississippi that those guys, for some reason, and they said it on one of their podcasts earlier this week, always circle us on the calendar. They all, for, for some reason, they always circle our names on the calendar. And we don't seem to do the same thing for them. We just go through the motions. So when you, you look at how we performed last week when we were in the driver's seat, and now we're playing, I guess, for bowl eligibility at this point, I, you don't get the warm and fuzzies. No, and what's even more frustrating is I think it bothers me, or what bothers me the most, and and I think what frustrates a lot of fans is that you had everything in front of you going into this game. You had a chance to take one step forward in clinching the Sunbelt Western Division. You came off a big win at South Alabama, a, a, a win that really, a game that really nobody expected you to win. I mean, all the prognosticators were picking South Alabama. You go in there and you play four quarters of football and dominate. And then going into this game, all you got to do is just show up and play four quarters and compete. And you go there and you win. Well, now you're, you're facing Southern Miss with momentum with a chance to to continue that path of, of winning the Western division. Well, now you don't really have that anymore because I quote, we weren't prepared or we overlooked this team. You should never overlook a team. This we're not, I hate to say it, but you shouldn't overlook anybody in this conference, you know, and you're not good. No team is good enough to do that. Even if you're undefeated JMU or ULM or whoever, you're not good enough in this league to overlook anybody, any team. I'm not just talking about our team, anybody. You never, you don't overlook anybody in the Sun Belt. And, and going in with this attitude, if we automatically won the game, that I mean, look at what it did. And and now we we have catching up to do. And so for me, I think it was more frustrating that we had everything in front of us and we had all of the different circumstances that gave us reason to go out there and dominate. And yet we just didn't even didn't even budge at that but thought. He, here's my question. Like all week, all we heard was, you know, our focus is Arkansas State. We want to make sure that we're focused for this game. We want to make sure our guys know the importance of this game. And then you pull what you pulled. Like, so what were you doing that made you so confident you had them ready? And then you're coming to us and saying, well, it's it's on us. We didn't have them ready. What the hell were you doing all week? Like that should have been ingrained in your brain. And again, if we went into Arkansas State and they played out of their minds and we lost at the end or, or you know, it was back and forth, 
then then that's something I could look back and say, damn, we had it in our hands and we didn't win. But the way that we lost, we didn't even compete. It, it felt like we weren't we we didn't even compete in a game against a team that has again been dominated several times this season. Kind of has you scratching your head. What the hell were we doing all week? If if we weren't prepared, you know, controlling your own destiny in the West, if you weren't prepared for a game against any conference opponent, again, that's that's really concerning to me. It's one thing to give a team credit where credit is due. And I'll give credit to Arkansas State. They came out and they dominated. But at the same time, what were we doing? <laughs> right? What were we doing uh, when we when we kicked the ball off? And that's the thing. You could see it on the field. I mean, it's easy to spot a sideline. It's easy to spot the presence of a player on the field. The way they're walking, the way they're standing, the way they're presenting themselves. We just kind of look lax. We looked lax. We, it looked like we were a half step slower than we were the week before in Mobile. That's what was concerning to me. Why are you, like, why are you being lax? What are you being lax for? You, you, again, you have everything in front of you. You win this game and you, you're in the race for the division. What are you, what are you, what are you slacking around for? And like, like Josh pointed out around the second midway through the second quarter, it's like our guys checked out. It's like we just completely checked out of the game. I mean, blown coverages, missed assignments, terrible tackling. It was just, it was bad. And and again, it's almost like you were sold fool's gold the, the week before when they played so well and out of their minds against South Alabama. And then you go and you lay this, I'll say it again, lay an egg against Arkansas State. And look, they Arkansas State played out of their minds, okay? But that goes to show you they were prepared. They were ready for us. They knew they, 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 they were coached well. They, they knew what, what we brought to the table. They knew how to defend it. They knew where our weaknesses were. They exploited them. And we just sat back and took it. You can't do that this week against Southern Mississippi. No. And we'll talk a little bit about that uh, in a little while. But... I... In the post game, we, when we discussed what happened, I heard a lot of fans, and this is probably the loudest I've heard where fans are starting to get impatient. And I won't go further into detail about that because I think people know what I'm alluding to, but this is the loudest I've heard fans become impatient with what this team's doing right now. And I look, Nick, you and I, we're still believers. We're going to support this team through and through. But at the same time, something's going to have to give. We can't keep being inconsistent like the way we are with this up and down roller coaster ride after a big game. And then you just get this ray of hope. And then all of a sudden, the hope fades away because you play another bad game. Like it's just what's, what's hurt us this year. And what's been frustrating this year up to this point is the inconsistency against teams that on paper you're you're superior to. And it's little things. It's the the small minute details. It's the missed assignments. It's the missed blown coverages. It's the basic missed tackles. Little things like that. A missed block here and there. A misread. Like those are the things that separate a team that's 500 and a team that 
was 13 and one two years ago with a national ranking of 16 and a Sunbelt Conference championship. It's the minute details that we're missing. And the fact that we're on game 10 and still talking about that is very, very concerning because on paper, we're a talented team. There's no question we're a talented team. Well, we're on game, I guess you could say we're on game 23 because it's been two seasons and we're still, I mean, we we had these same concerns last year, it, the penalties, the kicking game. We still can't keep, kick the damn no, ball the inbounds. Kicking I mean, the ball out of bounds, man. So, Come on. So we keep harping on the same stuff over and over again. And then, like you said, you get fool's goal because, oh, man, they corrected it. Okay, we're on, we're on the... We're, a week ago, I said we're on the upward trend. Trend. You can see we're trending upward. We we corrected some of the mistakes. We wouldn't have lost this game last year. We, and now it's like from week to week. Now I'm back in the oh here we go again thing. And then then we'll come back and we might blow. Let's say in a perfect world we go and and we win against Southern Miss and we we do everything right and we play up to our potential and we crush them. And then here we are again thinking oh well, we're going to run the table. But you can't. How are we going to perform the next week against Troy? We just we don't know what to expect. And and again, we're game twenty three. We're having these same conversations. Something's got to give. There's got to be some kind of there come to Jesus with I don't know if it's the coaching staff or the team or whatever is causing us to be so inconsistent in every single phase of the game. Our defense plays its minds out sometimes and looks like one of the best defenses in the country. You look at stats, stat-wise, you know, we're we're right up there. And then you let a guy run up and down the field on you, get get like 163 yards in the first half last week, or whatever stupid stat it was. So again, it it it's it's all about the details, it's all about inconsistencies. Not having guys prepared is absolutely inexcusable. I I again, that to me is the most concerning thing if there's an admission that we didn't have guys prepared for this game where you had so much on the line and they get absolutely dominated by a middle of the pack Sunbelt team, middle, lower end of the, in the spectrum. I, you know, I, d yeah, I mean, there's going to be noise and people are going to start, or start getting impatient. Again, we set standards in this program a couple of years ago. And like I said during the post game, we as fans and supporters of the team cannot allow us to fall back into where we were 10, 20 years ago. We can't get complacent and we can't allow this program to be complacent. So, you know, I'm not going to argue with people who have the opinions that they have when we're when we're 23 games into a regime and we're still asking the same questions now. I'm not calling for anybody's head on a plate, right? Because again, we know that this is this is a work in progress, but I think toward the end of next season if we're ha asking these same questions, then I think more serious conversations are going to be had. But until then, I just want to I just want some consistency, man. I want to know what to expect when I go in each and every week of what I can I can look forward to or what I can understand or maybe our challenges, maybe we're not great at this. I mean, special teams, again, some weeks we were like, oh, God, I hope our special teams performs well, and they do great. And then the next week you're like, man, we don't have to worry about that. And they they revert back to as bad as they've been. So we just need to be, again, I, I know we're saying this over and over again. It's like a broken record. 
But this season's like a broken record. Every week we go back and forth. We need consistency. We need the details. We need to stop getting stupid penalties. We need to be better on kickoffs. And it's still not being fixed. Why? The question is why? It's not talent. We have talent on the team. It's not a talent issue. Where? What's the issue? And and that's the million-dollar question right now. And why isn't it fixed? That's that's the second one. So I, I understand the, the noise, and I appreciate it. And again, we're going to be supporters of the program. But we have – it's got to change. We're like, we can't keep doing this. Or we're going to lose a lot more games. Well, it's it's about what happened to the culture, right? Hashtag culture. That was our big thing, culture, culture. And what is culture? Well, it's a football team that's grinds. It's a football team that that, that is a blue-collar uh, men, me, mental attitude. Yeah, blue-collar attitude that's mentally tough, that has a certain high level of morale, that doesn't quit and will play to the wire and will do the little things the right way. That's what the culture is all about. Where, where is it? I have I didn't see that last week. I saw a team that looked comfortable. I saw a team that looked complacent. I saw a team that thought, like Josh said the other day, uh, after in the post game, that they already put the W on the schedule on the refrigerator before we even walked into the stadium. And and again, you're not good enough to do that. No team is good enough to do that in this conference. Period. You should never predict or you should never assume a win against any team. And I felt like that's and that's just my opinion. I felt like we had that persona going into Arkansas State, and it backfired on us. We saw it earlier against Buffalo. Remember that? Where we got complacent in that game and nearly blew it? But in the other losses, like, you felt like we fought. Like, even against Georgia State, at the end of the game, we were still fighting. And that was good. You know, I'm not going to hate on that. I hated on the first half of the game. But I said it. Look, we, we fought at the end of the game. It didn't end up like we wanted to. I was pissed off by the ending. But we fought. There was no fight this week. There was no fight. And that that was disappointing. And how was there no fight? That's what I'm trying to figure exactly. out. Exactly. That's my that, point. That's, that's what you're saying. Like, how, what, where, how of all weeks not to have, like these last four weeks or these going into that game in the last four games, every game should have been treated like a playoff game. Every game should have been treated like it's the last game of the season and you're about to hold up a trophy at the end when the clock strikes zero. That's the mentality that you have to go in because guess what? It is a, 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 it's almost like an elimination game when you really think about it. And we didn't even, it didn't even look like we were playing for that. It just looked like it was a regular game, just go through the motions and I, I didn't see it. So uh, you know, I, I don't want to harp on this much longer. Yeah, please but don't. I'm so sick it, of thinking it had, about this. But it had to be said. It had to be said. You know, too many people around here, too, you know, we got fans out there that are like, oh, it's negative and it's this, it's that. Y'all are just harping on things. Well, guess what? It's reality, guys. It's reality. We did not play well the other day. We're, you, I mean, what do you, we're, you, you really, want us to give you? I was going to say, we're really happy when things are going as as they should. And and that's not even saying a win. Like when we lost against Minnesota, we were disappointed, but we did some great things. And we talked about the great things that we did when we get our ass kicked by, again, a middle lower end of the pack Sunbelt team. Yeah, I'm going to be pissed. There's not a whole tell me what was great during the we lost. We lost, you know, Zeon. Let's add that to the, the crap. Peter LeBlanc played great. But outside of that. There was not a whole lot that I can look to and be like, man, we did that really well. There, it was just a bad game. And so I'm not going to sunshine pump when when it, we had a terrible game 
and you have people coming out saying, yeah, we weren't prepared. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to be negative now. Turn it around this week and I'm going to be very happy. But I, I again, what would give what gives you the warm and fuzzies going into this week after that performance? Not a whole lot. No, I guess we should all give the, everybody juice boxes. You know, it doesn't matter if you lose by 20 or 40. They tried really hard, Nick. So we just give them a juice box and give them a high five and say, it's okay, buddy. You'll get them next time. Yay. No, man. No, 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 no. We, we, we again, we, we do not settle for complacency around here. So anyways, well, that's going to do it for the Arkansas State review. Um, as you can tell by our tone, that's how we felt about the game. Uh, moving on. The Cajuns host the Southern Miss Golden Eagles this Thursday night, November 9th, kickoff at 6.30 p.m. at Cajun Field. The game will be nationally televised on ESPNU. You can listen to the game on 103.3 The Goat as well as Hot 107.9. This will be Southern Miss's first trip to Cajun Field since 2001. It's been a long time, Nick. Yeah. Finally. About time. It is about time. Uh, you know what? And it's it's about time that we return the favor. I'm tired of losing to those guys. Um, and I mentioned earlier there was a, a pot, one of the podcasts I listened to earlier this week. They had I think it was a former player or somebody close to the program. He even said they circle this any game against us on the calendar, and he even mentioned volleyball. And he's like, you know, volleyball was rocking because we were playing them, and and it's not being reciprocated. I would understand probably in football because we haven't been all that competitive in football. So I would understand why we wouldn't reciprocate the hate there. But I mean, they they punked us in baseball and they acted like some jackasses several times in baseball games against us. And we took it and didn't even fight back. You know, a basketball, you swear they won the natty last year when they beat us. They ignored the fact that we beat them the same like a, a few games before we, we kicked their ass at the Cajun Dome. They ignored that fact. Softball, I don't even, that's a joke. So, it, you know, we need to start, like, there needs to be more of that spirit in our fans to dislike Southern Miss. But I think, I think it's just missing because in football, which is always going to be the, the sport that gets the more, most attention, we just haven't really been that competitive. And of course, we weren't great at football for a really long time. So that that certainly helps the case there than than they were. But it's time we start returning the favor. And and hopefully that starts uh Thursday night uh at Cajun Field. Totally agree with you, Nick. And that's a good point. I mean, we've been wanting a rivalry with somebody and we got them. It's so Southern Miss. The Southern Miss Golden Eagles. That's our new rival. And it's a it's a it's a very it's a competitive rivalry across the board. Now, granted, like you said, football's been a little more lopsided, but in other sports, I mean, it's it's intense. And it's, it's a rivalry that fits. We've always talked about how we wanted to play Southern Miss more often. They're a lot like us. The school size, the student body, very similar. A lot of similarities between the two universities. So, I mean, that I've said it last year and I'll say it again when we found out that Southern Miss was coming to the Sun Belt. I mean, I was ecstatic because I'm like, we get to play them every year now and everything. <laughs> it's not just once every few years in baseball or once every few years in basketball or once every few years in football. I mean, in football, they're coming to Cajun Field every two years now. They're in our division. So 
I love it. I welcome it with open arms. I've circled this game on my calendar for a long time, fully well knowing, probably since last year when we found out that uh, they were going to be in the division and we would play them every season. So I'm fired up about this this week um, on Thursday night. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Southern Miss. So Southern Miss comes in. They have a 2-7 and seven record. They're 1-5 and five in uh, conference play. They won their first conference game the other day by defeating ULM uh, in Hattiesburg. Um, this meeting, they met – the Cajuns and the Golden Eagles met last year in the first official conference meeting between the two schools in football. Southern Miss victorious over the Cajuns on a Thursday night game by the score of 39 to 24. And again, they have 10 straight wins against the Cajuns. UL has not beaten Southern Miss in football since Jake DeLome's freshman year in 1993. So it's been 30 years, 30 years too long. And in some of those scores during that 10-game win streak have been pretty lopsided. And I remember those losses. So uh, I want this one just as bad as anybody who's been around that long and remembers those uh, games because those some of those uh, takedowns were during times when they were kind of on that top 25 traje upward trajectory during the Jeff Bauer years. And that was when we were in, down in the dumps as low as can be, you know, going 1-10 and 10 and 2-9 and nine every year. So now that it's, it's an equal playing field, we have just as much of a chance to beat them as they used to beat us. And so we owe it to them uh, for the first time after 30 long years of defeats to this team. So a little bit about Southern Miss again. They're coached by Coach Will Hall. That's a familiar name you know. He was our offensive coordinator in 2017. He's in his third season at Southern Miss as the head coach. He has a 12-22 and 22 record. A little bit about Southern Miss's uh, team in general with stats. Uh, Southern Miss right now comes in scoring 23 points a game. Uh, they've looked like they've given up uh, a little over 35 points a game, and the Cajuns are actually at 31 points a game. So uh, the Cajuns have a little bit of an advantage there. Southern Miss com comes in rushing yardage, 162.6 yards a game, and they've given up. 185 yards a game and Louisiana has 198 yards a game in rushing. That's gone down a little bit since that performance last week at Arkansas State. Uh, Southern Miss throws for 206 yards a game. They've given up 242 yards a game. Uh, total offense, Southern Miss has 369 yards of offense. That's what they average and they've given up 427 yards uh, their defense has given up 427 yards of total offense, while the Cajuns average 406 yards of total offense. Uh, key stats here, third down conversions. Southern Miss is, uh, they are 30, they convert their third downs 37% of the time, and their opponents convert their third downs 39% of the times. And believe it or not, Louisiana uh, and their conversion third down conversion rate, 41.7%. So they actually, the Cajuns have about a 4% um, advantage in third down conversion over the Golden Eagles. Fourth down conversions. Southern Miss is only 40% from fourth down conversions attempts. Uh, they've only converted 40% of the time. Their opponents uh, have converted 62.5%. So Southern Miss has given up some fourth down conversions and the Cajuns actually that plays into the Cajuns hands because right now the Cajuns are at 57.1% in fourth down conversions. So um, if there's a game for the Cajuns to go forward on fourth down, this is it. Time of possession, Southern Miss averages 33 minutes and 34 seconds per game in time of possession where their opponents only average 26 minutes per game. Louisiana right at 29 minutes 
uh, per game. So when you look at these stats, the Cajuns are actually, they have some advantages over the Golden Eagles, especially in uh, the rushing game, as well as they've scored points per game, even in passing yardage. So total offense, the Cajuns average uh, a little over or a little under 40 yards more than Southern Miss offensively. And uh, the third and fourth down conversions are actually higher as well, even though the Cajuns have a lower uh, time of possession. So again, the Cajuns uh, stat-wise look a little bit better, better than uh, Southern Miss right now. So they're definitely going to have to take advantage of that this Thursday night. A little bit about the Southern Miss offense. Uh, they're led by quarterback, redshirt sophomore, number eight, Billy Wiles. He has um, 143 completions on 269 passing attempts. He's thrown for 1,746 yards, which averages 194 yards per game in the air. He has nine touchdowns, but he has six interceptions. So that's a golden opportunity for the Cajun secondary to take advantage of that. Of course, they are led by their star running back, junior running back number three, Frank Gore Jr. I think everybody knows who he is. Uh, he's got 163 carries on the year for 812 yards, seven touchdowns, which averages five yards per carry, and he's averaging 90.2 yards per game. Pretty much the key to beating Southern Miss and stopping their offense, stop that guy, Frank Gore Jr. Uh, passing game, uh, they've got three really good receivers. Uh, senior receiver number one, uh, number uh, senior wide receiver number one, Jacarius Caston. He's got 27 receptions for 460 yards. He's got four touchdowns. He has 17 uh, yards per catch as well as 51 receiving yards per game. Also senior wide receiver number six, Latrial Jones, 31 uh, receptions for 450 yards, three touchdowns, 14.5 yards per catch, as well as 50 uh, receiving yards per game. And last but not least on the offensive side, one of their key guys, sophomore wide receiver number 21, Ty Mims. 32 receptions, 369 yards, one touchdown. That's average of 11 and a half yards per catch and 41 receiving yards per game. Moving over to the defense, uh, there's three key defensive players to look for. First guy, redshirt junior safety, number six, Dylan Lawrence, 29 solo tackles, one tackles for loss and one sack. Senior safety, number seven, Jay Stanley, 22 solo tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, three interceptions. So to Chandler Fields, try your best to make sure Stan Jay Stanley's not in the area or make sure you try to outsmart him when you throw in his direction because he definitely is a ball hawk. And last but not least, redshirt junior linebacker, number eight, Jaleel Clemens, 14 solo tackles, nine and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, and five quarterback hurry so to the offensive line key in on number eight Jaleel Clemens because he will probably be a part of a few blitz packages so that's just going to kind of round up some information on the Southern Miss Golden Eagles kind of wanted to go through their stats a little bit about their offense and defense as far as their key players to look out for look I'm gonna just say this Nick this team right now this is not the Southern Miss that I remember watching three or four weeks ago uh, breaking news two weeks ago was when head coach Will Hall gave up his play calling duties to, I believe, his offensive line coach. And in the last two weeks, the offense has gotten off to great starts. Uh, they got off to a great start against App State on the road in Boone. Um, and it took App State a three touchdown rally to come back and win in the fourth quarter. Uh, against the Golden Eagles. And then last week, before you know it, before the first quarter was over, it was 17-0 uh, 
against the Warhawks to where Southern Miss was able to hold on to a 24 to seven win. So that's one thing that scares me. I am petrified of this game, by the way, as pumped up as I am about this game. I'm also petrified because let's be honest, the last three out of four weeks, the Cajuns haven't started off well. Uh, Texas state, we started off slow Georgia state. We barely showed up in the first half. And of course, the other day we, we were off to a slow start. Really the one exception in the last four games was against South Alabama. And you've seen in the last two weeks, Southern Miss has done the opposite. They've actually scored quickly and scored a lot quickly. So we're going to have to be able to contain their fast paced offense and not let them get on us early. And we're going to have to come off to a fast start. And that scares me a little bit, man, because that's our weakness right now. That's kind of our kryptonite. We've, we we were starting off slow against a team that's coming in with kind of felt feeling feels like they have nothing to lose. That's a little concerning and that's that's a combo that's a recipe and a combo for disaster for us if we don't uh, contain that. Yeah, and you've got a new offensive coordinator or a guy calling the offensive plays. So I I would expect that a couple of weeks, you know, it would take a couple of weeks for for there to be some tape out there on them and, and to try to try to make some adjustments in, in your game plan. So I, um I don't know if I'm that concerned about, about their offense and look, they can blow it up. I mean, again, Frank Gore jr. Is a, is a, is a unique talent for, for Southern Mississippi. And uh, we didn't stop the run last week. So we've got to, we've got to stop or contain him somewhat this week because like I said, we just didn't, we failed to do that. And, and that cost us dearly in that game. Um, but I wouldn't say I'm petrified. Am I concerned? Yes, because of the, the performance that we had last week. I We've got the talent on this team to beat them, right? Uh, that's not a question. Of course. That's not yeah. a question. The question is, is the team that showed up at South Alabama going to show up for this game? Or is the team that showed up for Arkansas State going to show up for this game? I think we'll know that pretty early in the game. I think I think if we don't, and I'm not saying on your first drive, go out and score a touchdown, but I think if we don't start, if we don't convert a couple of third downs, move the ball down the field, show something that, that gives me a little bit of confidence, then I'm going to be worried. Uh, because again, they circled this game for some reason on their calendar every year. So uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not petrified, but I'm, I'm concerned. I'm concerned. And, and look, I, I know, I mean, I made a comment that we're down to our third string quarterback and for some somehow people started gaslighting that telling me I'm already making excuses for the game. No, it's it's a fact. I mean, if any if you're down to your third string quarterback, I don't care if he's he's a great quarterback, which I think Chandler is. And I think Chandler can go out and, and win this this game. I have no doubt that that Chandler has has the arm and, and the know how to go out and be successful. But the thing is, it. it he's still the third string quarterback and he's not the guy under center every single game this season or, or for most of the games this season when Zeon's been there and our offensive game plan changes. So there's, it, it's not just the fact that we have, Oh yeah, well he took a bunch of snaps previously. Yeah. Like last season he, he did. And, 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 but like, it's not the same, <laughs> like our entire, our entire personality changes when you don't have Zeon's legs as a threat to run and be a game changer and run for an 80 yard touchdown. So for, for you to gaslight me and be, and say, well, you're just making excuses. No, I'm, I'm trying to be factual. I'm trying to, I'm trying to tell facts. We're down to our third string quarterback who is very talented, who can, can, and hopefully will win this game for us. But if you think that it's, I, I'm going to go in as confident 
as I am for the guy who started most of the season under center. No, I'm not going to be as confident. I mean, that's, that's common sense. If you think that we're making excuses because of the circumstances, you haven't been following our team. Because, look, I love Chandler, okay? I think he's a great teammate. I think he's a good player. I think he's a battler. But let's be real. He's had two injuries since last year, okay? He missed the entire spring, didn't take a single snap. He was our third-string quarterback this year. He threw three passes against UAB, and that was all the experience he had before Zion went down against Arkansas State. But also, too, Zion and and, and and Chandler are two totally different quarterbacks. So our entire offensive identity and our entire offensive scheme now has to shift and change in five days and turn around after the future performance in Jonesboro. So if you think that we're not, if you think we're just making excuses and are not legitimately concerned about that, then maybe you're reading things the wrong way. I'm just going to tell the people who say that, I'm just going to tell them right now, I'm petrified of this game. And I'm not making excuses. I'm just telling you. I mean, there's a difference between making excuses and being concerned and petrified. I'm concerned and petrified right now because you have to totally change the landscape of your offense and the scheme of your offense in five days after your, your QB1, basically your star quarterback, went down. And this is our second quarterback that went down for the year. You know, Ben Wooldridge went down back against UAB. Zeon comes in adds a certain tempo, a certain flavor to the offense. Now he's down, he's out for the year. And now you have a quarterback in Chandler Fields who I have faith in, but at the same time, he's coming in fresh. And I know he had all this experience and all this other stuff that people want to claim, but no offense to Chandler, there's a reason why he's he was third-string quarterback. I mean, no disrespect to the kid. I like the kid. But you can't just expect us to all of a sudden pick up from where we left off in five days or just have that expectation to just pick up from where we left off in five days, even though that's our approach, because now we have a new quarterback in who is, who's QB three. And, and to be honest with you, if that's the expectation you, you expect us to have as fans and then say, we're making excuses. If we don't, that's not fair. To, that's not fair to him. That's not fair to him. Well, I think they're just disappointed that they can't keep their receipts for after in case they win and, and, you know, show me, but, um, Tim Tim brought up a good question, and I'm going to pose this to you, Jerry. So when we play up-tempo football, spread the ball around, we gash teams. Why do we always abandon that and go back to these up-the-middle carries? Do you think, Jerry, that it has anything to do, and again, our defense has at times this season been dominant, and I really do think our defense plays really well, except for against tempo. We seem to not be able to handle tempo very well, but do you think that there is a concern on the offensive side of things where we feel like we have to control the the time of possession and because our defense is not going to, I mean, that's the only thing that I can think is that we don't have confidence in our defense to stop the other team. That's why we're, 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 you know, not playing up-tempo football, but I don't know that we've ever been an up-tempo football team. I mean, you think we might rush up to the line and get ready, but there's always a thing where they clap and they do the clapping thing. We've seen that for a couple of seasons. So I don't know. What do you think? What do you think is the reason that we don't play up tempo football more? I don't think that's really our identity. Um, I do think it's our identity at times, but I also think it's what the defense throws at you. I think, like last week, for example, Arkansas State blitzed the entire game. We saw it against Georgia State as well. You put eight men in the box. You make Zeon throw the football. You force him to throw the football. I think if you 
it's almost like it's almost like a game of chess. It makes me wonder if if the defense is throwing something at you. If they put eight men in the box, they send the blitz, or they do something, some type of schematic um, maneuvering that throws you off. I think that throws off our tempo, to be honest with you. And I think there's ways that we have to counter it. And sometimes it might not be necessary to run an up tempo offense. Um, personally, I like the up tempo offense. At the same time, I also think it's it really depends on how we counter what the defense throws at us. I think that determines whether or not we run up tempo or not. If that makes sense. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. And that's kind of, well, that's kind of what I thought too, but I just, it made me, it, it just made me start thinking again. We we've, I, I think we have a, a solid defense that at times looks elite at times doesn't look so elite. So I guess I wanted to throw that out there to, to see if you thought that there was just any concern defensively, but I agree with you. No, not really. I, I mean, it depends on how the game's going. If, if, you know, time of possession is lopsided, obviously you want to be very aware of that. And I know, I know coach Des has alluded to that before. Um, and I know he's always said, I have faith that the defense is going to make a stop, but at the same time, after a while, I mean, any coach, any team, if you score too fast, you want to keep your, your other side of the ball rested. Um, but I don't think that affects our offense as much. Um, I also think you just have to have the personnel to be able to execute an up-tempo offense too. I mean, that plays a big role in that. Uh, for example, South Alabama did it to us a few times. I mean, they scored those two touchdowns back-to-back in the in the third quarter going up-tempo, but then what happened? They tried going up-tempo again. We put some pressure on them. Their offensive line misses a few assignments, and then we pull a scoop and score. So there's some things that go into that, I think, that determines whether or not you call the up-tempo offense. Again, it's not, it's fun to watch, but at the same time, maybe it's not always the best plan of action if the defense is throwing something at you and you just can't execute because of it or counter it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know, man. I, I mean, I just don't know if this is the week to start playing up tempo because you have, you have Chandler under center. Um, and look, Chandler, Chandler can, can zing that ball all up and down the field. My concern a little bit is, um, not turning the ball over in that situation. And so I don't know if I want him trying to force a ball in because we're in hurry up offense. Right. I, well, I, I just Chandler, don't think that's what we do right now. Chandler's not Zeon in the way that he's not a dual threat quarterback. He's a pocket passer. I mean, he's a gunslinger. That's who he is. So the entire scheme of your offense, I mean, we'll still run the spread. We'll still run out the pistol every once in a while, but at the same time, you're not going to run plays design that Zeon ran, you know, the quarterback keeper and all that stuff. I mean, right. they may for Chandler in short yardage, but that's not who Chandler is. So you have to base the scheme off of what around what Chandler could do. Personally, I expect a more balanced attack, which means our running backs are going to have to step up this week. Last week, um, I mean, I'm looking at the stats here. Uh, between Draylon Washington, Jacob Cabote, and Zylan Perry, they combined for a total of 65 rushing yards against Arkansas State. Well, let me tell you something. This week, this week, we're going to need those guys based on the fact that we have Chandler playing quarterback because Chandler's a balanced quarterback. He's the pocket passer. He's not going to be able to go run for 70 or 80 yards like Zeon. That's just not who he is. That's not how he's built. So I think because of that, uh, we're going to, I think we're going to depend more on the pass this week because that's Chandler's strength. But I also think those running backs are going to have to step up. You get 65 yards rushing against this team. I hate to say it, Nick, but you're not going to win. Your offense no. is going to be one-dimensional at that point. And then you know what they're going to start doing? They're going to start putting eight men in the box. They're going to blitz Ch uh, they're going to blitz Chandler and they're going to force him to throw the football. So if we're able to run the football, our offensive line is going to have to play their tails off. If we're able to run the football with our trio of running backs, then I think that can kind of 
pull back or Southern Miss will pull back on the blitz because they'll they'll have to play the run. But we got to run the football. I yeah. mean, to win this week, you got to run the football. And I think um, I think I, I know Chandler is a pocket passer, but I think there may be opportunities for him to pick up some yards on the ground when when if things break down because I think they will. I there's not going to be a spy on Chandler. So I, I, you know, as, as if Zion were on the field, then, then all attention is, is there. So I think he might have some, he, again, we're not expecting 60 yard runs, but I think you will have the opportunity to see Chandler pick up some yards, uh, during the game. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be looking for that. Cause I don't think it's really expected. And, and if we're being creative in our play calling and given the opportunity, I think it'll be there for, for the taking. If, if we decide to go that route. Well, I mean, and also too, again, you got You can't let Southern Miss score and go up two scores against you. That throws your entire offense up. Now you have to play up tempo. Now you have to kind of play from behind, right? We cannot let this team jump on us early like they have the last two weeks against their other opponents. I mean, that, that's that's our that's our forte, right? We we start off slow. You do not want this team to do that to you, especially with the fact that we have a quarterback making his first first start. Yeah, and I think when you did see us play up tempo, it's because we were forced to because we had to score some points. And like you said, our Agreed. offensive identity is not necessarily going to be to play up tempo. So I think if if we're not playing up tempo during this game, then things are probably going going well for us. So hopefully, it's not an up tempo game on on the offensive side of the ball for us. Amen to that, man. So uh, let's talk about three keys to victory. What are your three keys to victory in finally ending that 10-game win streak or 10-game losing streak to the Golden Eagles and getting that W on Thursday night? Yeah, I think Chandler is going to be tested, and I think they're going to bring pressure against him. So one, protect the ball and 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 protect the uh, – look, you, you, can't, you can't take a sack and, and back up for 16 yards and make it second or third in, in Mamu. You're going to have to – you're going to have to protect us there. Um, and of course, no turnovers. Uh, I think that's a big one for Chandler. He's got to make sure that that he's protecting the ball in, in all phases of the game. Um, second key is going to be to try to contain Frank Gore Jr. He's gonna he's gonna get his yards, but again, let's let's not let what happened last week against Arkansas State, where they just ran it at will against us. You do that, and you're you're in for a long night. So we've got to contain the run game, especially Frank, Frank Gore Jr. Better, and then third. Details, details, details. We have got to do the little things. And and the the weeks that we do the little things and pay attention to things like like not getting silly silly penalties in crucial times of the game and 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 not kicking the ball out of bounds and and doing those those silly little mental lapses that we that seem to creep up on us at the worst possible time. We have got to pay attention to the details and not take this as a dub like we did last week. I, my hope is that they come in more prepared and last week was a wake-up call. But again, they're going to circle this on their calendar as a big game. They want to kick our butts as they, as they have done so many times in the past. We have got to come out prepared and quick and, and ready to fight um, and, and not get embarrassed on your, on your home field this week. Yeah, it's a good point. It's definitely a good point. You know, you want to go out there and, and you want to start off fresh. You Again, I said it the other day, you know, we have to erase what happened on Saturday because that quick turnaround, if you don't, you're going to, you're going to regret it. And, you know, Southern Miss is coming in again, they're two and seven, but they're playing with, they're playing with the attitude of nothing to lose. And, you know, I had the chance, by the way, I had the chance to go on um, 
Marsha at Kenny's uh, podcast the other day, former Southern Miss great. And uh, we've become good friends. And, and, and he talked about it. He said, you know, Southern Miss, even though they're two and seven, if they went, went out and go five and seven, there may be a chance they, they can make a bowl game still somehow. Right. So maybe there is something they're playing for, but at the same time, when you go in with a nothing to lose attitude and you feel loose and you just feel like you want to have fun and all that, and there's no pressure, that's when you're the most dangerous. And I think for us, uh, we just have to go in with a certain attitude. Obviously you don't want to overlook them. I hope we learned our lesson from Jonesboro, but also too, this team has beaten us 10 straight times. I'm sick and tired of losing to them. Okay. I mean, if that doesn't motivate them, especially the way we lost to them last year, fully well knowing we should have won that game, then I, I mean, there's no reason for them not to, uh, not to go in there motivated once we kick that ball off a Cajun field at 630. But anyway, my three keys to victory, pretty simple, pretty straightforward. I already said it. You got to get off to a fast start. We have not done that in the last three or four weeks. March down the field the first few drives, you know, create some create some opportunities on offense and score early just to kind of build some energy in our team, right? And then the second thing, slow their offense early. They've scored fast the last two weeks. Flip the game on them. Do what they do and then put them in position to do what we've done and start slow. Force a turnover against their offense early on. Find a way to jump to an early lead against them. So that's my two uh, takes. Fast start and then slow their offense early and avoid uh, letting them score early like they have the last two weeks. And third, my third key to victory, run the football. Run the football. You're going to have to run the football to set up for the pass this this Thursday night. And I think if you do that, it's going to ease the transition for Chandler. I think if we do that, we're going to wear their defense down. And I also think that's going to give opportunity to Chandler to be able to throw the football to some some receivers out there who I think are due for some good games. You know, we haven't heard Rob Williams' name in a while. Uh, Harvey Broussard, we haven't heard his name in a while. Uh, you know, Pete LeBlanc's had some good games these last few weeks. Jacob Bernard's had some good games these last few weeks. I know Neil, guys like Neil Johnson, Terrence Carter. They've, you know, we we have a slew of guys to throw the football to. So in my opinion, I think that's that's a golden opportunity for Chandler because he's got some veteran receivers and veteran tight ends that that have experience out there. And if he's a gunslinger and the pocket passer, we think he is, this is an opportunity for him. But in order for him to do that and have that opportunity, we need to run the football. You can't come, you can't have our three, three headed monster combined for 65 yards rushing. This defense is not bad, but they're not great. And so, uh, look, they're going to run Frank Gore Jr. at us all game. We got to counter them. They got one running back. We got three. Use them. So that's my three keys to victory. And, uh, yeah, again, I mean, we have to win this game. You want to look, we have not played two straight bad games in a row all season long. Every loss we've had, we've responded with a win. Got to do that again this Thursday night. No, I agree with you. And uh, I'm sick of losing to these guys in football, man. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's re where it comes from. And, 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 Again, we need to start making this more. Look, we've been craving a rival, a real rival for years. And and this has the opportunity to be that. So Cajun Nation needs to show up. And and uh, I know I know somebody who lives in Lafayette is going to be there taking pictures, critiquing our crowd on a Thursday night, but whatever. Uh, but we need to show up. We need to be loud. We need to support our guys. And we, we need, need, need to send those stinky eagles home with a loss. We're overdue. Yep. We're overdue. And I look forward to it. It should be a lot of fun. I'm sure there's Southern Miss fans out there that'll make the trip. I know there's a few locally who are here that'll be there. I believe they're bringing their marching band too, if I'm not mistaken. So look, they're excited about this game. It's like you said, they circled the game on the calendar and they got, you know, they do, they do have a good fan support. So I'm, I'm definitely 
excited to see what they bring. I, re- I do remember back in 2001, it was actually the first game after 9-11, if I'm not mistaken, and we hosted them. They brought a ton of fans to Lafayette. Now, granted, this was when they were winning uh, more consistently, but they they brought a following, and, and we really didn't at the time. So um, looking forward to this game. Uh, also, too, just uh, FYI, I know the students, there's a mental health awareness day on Thursday. So students, I believe classes uh, classes will be canceled past noon. So the students get a half day of school on campus. You got all afternoon to party and have fun and get ready for the game Thursday night. Okay. There's no excuse. I want the red zone packed and filled to the filled to the top. All right, go have fun. Go enjoy yourself. You're going to be on national TV. No other reason not to show up. No reason not to show up. Go learn some coping skills so that when we beat them, you can go console the uh, the little Southern Miss fans that uh, that come to Cajun Field. There's not a whole lot to do in, in Hattiesburg, Jerry. I mean, what else are you going <laughs> to do besides go to a football game in Lafayette? I mean, I would want to get out of Hattiesburg if I could. Hey, look, man, I, I think I think there's uh, there, look, there's not much to do in Lafayette on a Thursday night anyway. I think this time of year, yes, you can go to a few bars and a few restaurants and all that. But I mean, look, go to Cajun Field, then go celebrate, then go celebrate after after you after we get the W, right? So, Hattiesburg's um, best best restaurant is Ward's. I mean, come on, man. Uh, <laughs> Ward's. <laughs> It's like it's like the RC Cola Hardee's, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, so we'll come back to the Southern Miss uh, preview. Again, Cajuns host the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Golden Eagles, Southern Miss first trip to Cajun Field since 2001. This Thursday night, kickoff at 6.30 p.m. Again, you can watch the game on ESPNU where it will be televised or listen in at 103.3 The Goat or Hot 107.9 for the broadcast. So let's talk a little bit about what's going on around the Sun Belt. Um, There's some really good games coming up this weekend. There were actually some pretty good games last weekend. Just for review, let's talk about what happened last week. First of all, the Troy Trojans, big game in the Sun Belt Western Division. Troy defeated South Alabama uh, to extend their division lead. They defeat the South Alabama Jaguars, winning, I believe, five straight against the Jaguars, or five or six straight. They have a streak on them now. Final score, 28-10. to 10. Big win for the Trojans. Coastal Carolina won a pretty much a close one. Last-minute uh, game-winning touchdown, if I'm not mistaken, against the Old Dominion Monarchs. Uh, the Chanticleers victorious over ODU by the score of 28-24. to 24. JMU continues their win streak, 9-0 on the season. I believe they're ranked number 21 in the AP poll. Second year in the FBS. I know there's big debates right now on whether or not they should – go to the postseason. They go to Georgia State and take care of business against the Panthers, but the Dukes victorious over Georgia State by the final score of 42 to 14. We're going to change our name to the Whiners because I'm tired of their whining. Let's get to that in a minute, actually. Southern Miss victorious over ULM. Southern Miss, the Golden Eagles get their first uh, conference win of the year. They defeat the Warhawks by the score of 24 to 7 in Hattiesburg. Texas State, what a huge statement win against the Georgia Southern uh, Eagles, Texas State officially bowl eligible. The Bobcats are going bowling after their win over Georgia Southern. Final score, Bobcats 45, Eagles 24. And last but not least, App State victorious over the Marshall Thundering Herd. Marshall, man, they started off the season 4-0. Now they're on, I believe, a five-game win streak or a five-game losing streak. The uh, Mountaineers victorious over Marshall by the score of 31-9. to 
This week, of course, Thursday night, Cajuns host the Golden Eagles of Southern Miss. On Saturday, Old Dominion will travel to Liberty. ODU will travel to Liberty, and the kickoff will be at noon. And you can catch the game on ESPN+. Plus. JMU will host the UConn Huskies. Kickoff will be at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Game on ESPN+. Plus. App State travels to Atlanta to take on the Panthers of Georgia State. App State and Georgia State will kick off at 1 o'clock. And you can watch that game on ESPN+. Plus as well. Troy travels to Monroe. Monroe uh, ULM looking for their first conference win as they host the team that's basically leading in the division, the Western division, the Troy Trojans. Troy at ULM kickoff at 1 o'clock in Malone Stadium. You can catch the game on ESPN+. Coastal Carolina will host the Texas State Bobcats uh, in Conway, South Carolina. The Bobcats and the Shawna Clares will kick off at 2.30, and you can catch that game on ESPN+. And the Cajuns' last two opponents will face each other in Mobile as South Alabama hosts Arkansas State. Kickoff will be at 4 o'clock Central Standard Time. You can catch that game on ESPN+. And last but not least, Georgia Southern will travel to Marshall to take on the Thundering Herd. Kickoff will be at 6 o'clock Central Standard Time. And that game will be on the NFL Network. So lots of good football this week. Lots of conference Big-time conference matchups, uh, two of which are non-conference. Of course, ODU traveling to Liberty. Man, I would love nothing more than to see the Monarchs defeat Liberty and end their win streak. Uh, Liberty's pretty much like the one one ball of energy that's keeping Conference USA going right now. What better way for ODU to go over there and give them their first loss at their house? And, of course, UConn will host – I'm sorry, UConn will travel to JMU. JMU continuing, again, that win streak and uh, looking to start the season 10-0 and against Jim Mora Jr.'s UConn Huskies. Let's talk a little bit about the whole JMU debacle. Uh, earlier today, JMU basically sent a an appeal, or they appealed to the NCAA to allow them to play in the postseason. Uh, basically, their reasoning, um, in the last two seasons since uh, JMU has come up to the FBS level, they have a combined record of 17-3. and uh, they've been ranked in the top 25 for the second year in a row. And right now they're sitting at 9-0 and undefeated. And looks like, I mean, if, if the conference were one big division or they had the conference were separated by divisions, they'd be number one in the conference as well. First of all, you're dealing with the NCAA, okay? NCAA doesn't even know how to enforce its own rules. I understand the frustration with JMU. I get why they're upset. I understand that they want to play in the postseason. And if you ask me, they deserve to be in the postseason and they deserve to play in the championship game. The problem is, is I don't think the NCAA is going to allow it, not only because of the rules that are in place, but because I don't think they know how to allow it. Because what's going to happen is, is if they let JMU in, it may open up a Pandora's box. I think the unfortunate thing for JMU and the way the NCAA does business, even though I disagree with it, and even though I think it's a little ridiculous of how they are inconsistently enforced their rules, I think what they're going to probably have to do is, at the end of the season, find a way to create rules that allow or create rules that clarify how a team is eligible for the postseason if they make the transition up to FBS. Because right now, uh, this rule if I'm not mistaken, applied, this is the same rule that applied 20 years ago, because remember, 
And you saw this, some of these teams in the Sun Belt when they moved up from the FCS level back in the early 2000s. Some of those teams would go independent first, remember? They would move up to the FBS level. They would become an independent. And while they were independent, they would play the schedule against uh, the Sunbelt competition, even though it didn't count as a conference game. And then the following year or the year after that, they would eventually move into the conference and then be eligible for the postseason. Well, what we've seen today is that's not the case. Uh, you've seen a few teams move up and the second they move up to FBS, they're in a conference. You saw it with Sam Houston. You saw it with J Jacksonville State. Uh, when they moved up to Conference USA. You saw it with JMU last year when they moved up to the Sun Belt. Um, so that rule does not apply. Unfortunately, again, I don't think the NCAA has a direction on how to enforce it in spite of the appeal that JMU made. So I've, I, unfortunately, the JMU sake, I don't know if, if the NCAA is going to allow them to play in the postseason, even though personally I disagree with it. I do. Th I think they they should. I think they're good enough to play in a postseason, and I think it looks makes the conference look good if they did. Nick, what's your thoughts on it? No, I agree. It would make the conference look good and potentially have a chance at uh, at a New Year New Year Six game and get us some revenue, and that would be wonderful. You played by the rules that you signed up for. That's my whole thing. And look, I appreciate. I would want my athletics department to fight for it too. I'm just so sick of hearing about it, man. Like I get it. I get it. Sucks. You, you're, but your university signed up for this, as did every university that came up to this level. Now, we can argue whether or not it's fair to App State, to Georgia Southern, to Georgia State, to South Alabama, to any of these teams that were in a I mean, App State was in a, a position where they didn't make a, a a bowl game, I believe, and they were like seven and five this, that year. I get it. It sucks. If they were five and five right now, we wouldn't be having this conversation. There would not, we wouldn't even be talking about this today, but we're talking about it because they've had success. Is the rule antiquated? Yes. Is that rule what they agreed to when they came up? Yes. They should have, this should have been a negotiation. Run it if you were that confident. You run it by the NCAA. You try to get that waiver beforehand, you know, but th that's not what happened. And, and so I don't think it's fair to the teams that had to go through this process and abide by those rules and didn't get to make bowl games and maybe missed out on revenue. I, I, I don't necessarily think, I think it's fair to them to now say, well, now that you're having a good season, we'll let you do it. I, I just, I, I don't think that's a precedent that the NCAA wants to set. Now going forward, it's going to cost $11 million for an FCS team to move up. If a team is committing $11 million to move up, then we can have that conversation. Well, these rules are dumb because clearly if they're committing the money, then their program is ready. So I think going forward, that makes sense. I understand why the rule was in place. I understand that it's antiquated, but again, this was not negotiated ahead of time. And if they weren't winning, we wouldn't even have it be having this conversation. So it's unfortunate. It sucks. I hate it. I, I, I wish they, they could compete for it, but I think it's just a precedent that, I don't think the NCAA wants to set because like you said, now you're going down Pandora, you're opening Pandora's box and here we go with, well, if they can do this, well, can we do this? Well, we're five and seven and so-and-so six and six, and we think we have a better resume. So we need to get a waiver and you know, then you go down all this other stuff. And I just don't think we want to go down that path because the NCAA has very little, it seems like control or, or say so in the way college athletics is going at this point. So the little power that they do have, I think they're going to hold on to that. 
Well, first of all, the NCAA doesn't even know how to enforce their rules, right? Yeah, you said I mean, that they, earlier. They, from the like, we, I, I said it earlier, and I'll say it again. I'll say it twenty more times because it's true. From the way they do handle recruiting violations to the way that they decide to pick and choose who they want to punish and how severely they want to punish them, right? They don't even know how to enforce their own rules. So, how do you expect them to enforce this rule and do it on the fly? Because of the fact that JMU is seeing early success, how do you expect them to do it and be consistent with it? Which sets a precedence for future teams, right? What if, okay, Kennesaw State's coming to Conference USA next year. Well, if they're five and five, like you said, and let's say they're like, hey, can we come in and play a bowl game because we're a game or two away from being bowl eligible? Well, what, who's to say that, well, you got to win this many games if you're making the transition to 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 play in the postseason i think what bothers me about this and, and nick you just alluded to it in the in the entry fee right they took all this time to come up with ideas on an entry fee to come up to the fbs level and pay a really really huge amount to do that why didn't this topic come up then why didn't anybody bring that up then or why didn't the ncaa talk about that right it's going to cost you this much money hey let's come up with a way Let's talk about some transitioning rules while we're at it, and maybe we will take away the postseason ban for a couple of years. Why, why, why didn't they not bring that up? Fully well knowing that you're going to have more teams trying to move up to the FBS level, and maybe see another JMU who has hit a high level of success early on in their transition. Because we're not talking about an FCS team that's in a P5 league, which I don't know that you would ever see. But you, you're because it doesn't matter to them. This, you know, it doesn't matter to them because it's not. It, it what what benefit does it have to the NCAA to do this, right? There's no real benefit to do it, and and as I said before, this was not really ever an issue. They might have whined and complained about it a little a little bit, but not to the level that these fans are going at. I mean, they got one guy saying protest, don't watch the the championship game if we're not in it. Like what a stupid remark, and like no, that's not how we are as a conference. So. Um, I, I just think it, it wasn't an issue because nobody really cared about it until now. Just like they wouldn't have cared about it if they were five and five. If we were five, if they were five and five, the NCAA would really not even consider the rule change because nobody cares about it. But now that it affects them and now that it's getting some attention it, because they're having a, an amazing couple of seasons in their first two seasons of FBS. Now we're talking about it. That's the only reason, right? If If we weren't talking about it, then we wouldn't even care about this rule existing. So I think the NCAA just doesn't really care that it exists unless now that some stink is being made about it, that there could possibly be uh, a rule change. But I just don't think that that was ever on their their scope of, of, of caring, to be honest with you. The only solution to me to this is change the rule. Yeah. Take away the rule. Yeah. Uh, readjust, readjust the transitional rules you know, have certain standards on what it would take to move up, right? Like once you move up, there's, this is what you got to do to make the postseason, or, or just take the rule away. I mean, that, that's the easiest solution. Again, I don't expect the NCAA to just come out and grant this waiver because I don't know if they know how to do it. I mean, that's how much, that's how little faith I have in the NCAA and the way they enforce their rules. So um, look, best of luck to JMU trying. I'll give them that. I, again, I think they deserve to get in. I mean, they, they've played well enough. They've won some big games this year. They're undefeated. They're ranked in the top 25. Second year in the FBS. They're, they're, in the two years they've been in the FBS, both years they've been ranked in the top 25. So they're obviously good enough to play in the postseason. But again, you're under the auspice of the NCAA. And again, they just 
you're dealing with you're dealing with an organization that just does not know they're just inconsistent all over the place with their rules so and in the organization that really doesn't care about conferences like ours when it comes to stuff like that because it doesn't benefit them oh no they care they, they care, well, they whenever care when it comes to violations getting, NCAA getting violations. punished oh, yeah because we're, we're the we're the sacrificial lamb there they care about that but yes no you're absolutely right we, we don't obviously bring the billions of dollars that some of these p5 conferences bring but uh anyway so yes uh keep on the lookout i know again jmu has sent um they've appealed their ruling uh to the ncaa to allow the jmu dukes football team to play in the postseason which the sunbelt actually came out and said if the ncaa grants them that waiver that means jam the sunbelt will allow jmu to play in the championship game which look i think that's fair I think that's completely fair. If you can play in the postseason, you can play in the postseason in our conference in the championship game. I think that's fair. So anyway, moving on, uh, women's basketball, Cajuns, victorious. Gary Broadhead and his girls start the season off 1-0, victorious over Spring Hill College the other night at the Cajun Dome. Final score, 75-45, pretty much domination from the start. Great win for the ladies to get the season off to a nice start. The Cajuns will travel to Auburn. This Thursday night, tip-off is at 7 p.m. You can watch the game on the SEC Plus Network, or you can listen on the Varsity Network or on 1420 a.m. And they will also host Kent State. There's a Sunbelt MAC Challenge in women's basketball as well. The Kent State Golden Flashes will come to the Cajun Dome this Sunday. Tip-off is at 4 p.m. in the Cajun Dome. You can watch that game on ESPN Plus or listen on the Varsity Network or 1420 a.m. Men's basketball. Coach Bob Marlin and his basketball team looking to defend the Sunbelt crown. Cajuns opened up the season the other night against the Youngstown State Penguins. Really good team out the Horizon League. They actually won 24 games last year, came in with seven transfers, lots of talent, but the Cajuns picking up from where they left off last year, continuing their win streak in the Cajun Dome to 16 straight wins. Cajuns open up the season with a victory over the Youngstown State Penguins by the score of 72 to 62. Just a few stats for you. Famous Fox, point guard, 20 points, seven assists. Kobe Julian had 16 points and Joe Charles, 13 points and 10 rebounds. The Cajuns this Saturday will travel to Toledo for the men's basketball uh, Mac and Sunbelt Challenge. They'll travel and will play Toledo. Tip-off is at 6 p.m. You can catch the game on 96.5 KPL. I don't think the game is televised, so we're going to do it old school this weekend, Nick. We're going to listen on radio for the Cajuns to take on the Toledo Rockets. What kind of crap is that? I remember, oh gosh, this is bringing memories back. So I remember back in the day, this was probably 2001, 2002, we had a, I was working at, at KPL at the time. I was working at Planet Radio, but I also did some work for Jay. Jay was running KPL and I was doing some work for him. And we had a, the guy who did the lead play-by-play uh, -play -play for basketball came to us from Western Kentucky, um, Hamilton. Oh gosh, I can't remember his name, but he used the word slamo. Every time we had a, a slam dunk, it likes S-L-A-M-M-E-A-U-X, slam-O, every time we dunk the ball. I don't know why my brain just remembered that memory, but thinking about having to listen to it on radio, I just remember slam-O and how I hated it, but he, that was his thing. Slam-O, like Trey Bian or whatever, it's like slam-O. I, 
I don't know. What was his name? Something Hamilton. Do you remember that? You might have been too young. I was I wasn't living here at the time. Oh, so that's I, true. I that's true. You. Yeah. Yeah. But look, Youngstown State, going back to that game, um, they they impressed me. That that was a good team. And I know the name yeah. the name isn't sexy and and it's not one that we we might recognize, but but you, you can't go by the name on your jersey. I know I say that about our team all the time. Like people over underestimate us just because of our name sometimes. I think that's changing. I think that that narrative is changing a little bit, but um, look, I, they they made the NIT last season. They had over 20 wins, um, solid team. So I think that was a, a good win. It's not like we were playing an NAIA team and getting our butts handed to us like South Alabama did. Poor, poor Jaguars just got their butts kicked by it. And we'll talk about that in a second, yeah. by the way. But but uh, look, I think that 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 was a solid win for for the guys. So uh, that was a, a great start to the season. And and on the women's side, look, we're we're only two years removed from winning the regular season and, and being in the NIT on the women's side. Um, also, something we need to, to to mention is that NI the NIT has now changed their rules, where the conference champion isn't automatically invited because they want to. I guess have less of our teams in the NIT and more of the big name colleges in oh, the yeah. NIT. Oh, that's what so, they're doing. Yep. So yeah, that uh, that automatic bid for a conference champion to the NIT is is no longer a thing. That is absurd. Great, that great. Is that is just absurd. great for college basketball because we really want to see a team with with a 500 record playing in the NIT. That just thrills everybody. Well, I mean, think about it like this, right? I mean, the beauty of March Madness in general are the Cinderella's. Nobody's going to want to watch all these all these major conference schools all the time. I mean, the beauty of watching, you know, these games in the why, why do people do bracket challenges? They don't do it to watch Oklahoma State and Kansas, right? You can watch that during the regular season. They want to see the IUPUIs and the the, Far, the Farley Dickinsons and the George Masons. That's what makes it fun. Or like when the Cajuns or when we were 13 seed, a lot of people picked us to upset Tennessee. That's what that's the point of the college basketball postseason. It's teams like ours that make it exciting. T Sab and, and South Carolina, you know, in a first oh, round. Man. Ooh, I can't wait to watch that. I can't, yeah, yeah. No, that that's anticlimactic and it's not fun. But anyway, yep, just another way to separate the the big schools from the smaller schools. And of course, it's gonna kill the fun in college athletics, but yeah, we don't we don't make the decisions, unfortunately. So again, Cajuns victorious over Youngstown State the other night. Again, they will travel to Toledo to take on the Rockets. That's actually going to be a really good game. I'm actually excited about that game because, you know, I rather I know Coach Marlin alluded to this the other day. He said, you know, this is a you know, the start of the season. This is a tough matchup. He said, you know, uh, it, it Youngstown State is a team that's really, really good. And they did a lot of great things last year. And to be honest with you. I prefer that. I prefer the challenge like that early on in the season than to play some NAIA school. You beat them by 50. And really, what do you learn? What do you learn in that game? Well, not only that, Jerry, but like when you're playing the numbers game and the net is the thing, right? Now you got to do the net thing. We've got to start, and, and maybe this is a step in that direction, but we've got to start scheduling those teams that will help that number. Even if you lose it, it'll still help that net. Because I, I guarantee you, it's like when we had Brian Benson on talking about uh, talking about or Brian Benton, excuse me, talking about baseball RPI. He was explaining that you don't necessarily want to play a team that you know you can beat. You want to play a team that you'll be competitive and you could win, but it'll benefit you either way in the net. So uh, um, the hope is 
even though look if we're if we're not going to get big name teams to the the dome which it doesn't seem like we're we're apt or, or or like we want to do or can do at this point i think scheduling teams like youngtown youngstown state and and a toledo is a way to go as long as it's benefiting our number there that we need to get to in order to to have consideration if we're a fringe team uh for for tournaments so i think that's the right way to go and if you're wondering i believe toledo made it to the finals of the mac tournament last year they lost to at the hands of uh, kent state and they did they also went to the nit and lost by 10 to michigan so this is a very good team that we're playing and, and good I, that that's good that's the challenge i want again I, and i know i sound crazy for saying this I would rather lose by seven to eight points to a really good mid-major than to beat an NIA school by 60. Because at least I know I got something more out of that loss to a better competitive team or more competitive team than some glorified high school. And when you go into conference play and you start playing your peers, when you look back early on in the season, who prepared you better? Going play, you know, as Josh would call it, roast beef tech out of the NAIA or Division Three or Mobile <laughs> or didn't even know existed? Or would you rather go play Memphis, Houston, Toledo? And I'm not saying, I mean, look, I, I think we have a chance to beat Toledo, but I'm just talking about, you know, in the past, we've lost some of these mid-major games, but it's made us better. And so I know a lot of times you hear coaches and players say, man, I wish we could have played, you know, this D3 team because we, it helps us on the on the on the record column. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, does it really prepare you? Right. I, I would prefer to play the mid majors. And even if you drop a game or two, at least I know it could prepare you better for conference play. Cause that's what matters, right? There've been seasons where we've played this just easy non-conference and everybody gets excited. Oh, we're seven and two or whatever. And the strength of schedule is like 300. Then you go into conference and you finish 500 because you weren't prepared. You weren't, you weren't challenged. Give me that challenge early on in the season for conference. I'll sacrifice. Look, we did it 20 years ago. Um, you know, the, the Jesse Evans teams and even the Marty Fletcher teams, we would lose to some good mid-majors. But when conference came, we were ready. Give me that all day. Yeah. Jesse, man, Jesse Evans teams were fun to watch, though. I mean, players were a little sketchy. The way <laughs> how they got here is a little weird. But um, his 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 teams were were a lot of fun to watch. and And... Jesse got some results. Now, then he went to San Francisco, and that did him in. I don't think he's coached since, but uh, Jesse, you know, got got to love the what he brought to uh, what he brought to the Cajun Dome. Those were fun teams and and great talent. No doubt about it. I remember going to some of those games when I was in high school, and that place was packed. It was loud. It was fun, and and it was some exciting basketball. I just wish some of the some of the other players would have gone to class more often than Michael not. Southall, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but at the same time, it doesn't take away the fact that it was an entertaining product on the court, and um, hopefully, we see the same. I got to give credit to this team so far from what I saw last night. Let me tell you, those players hustle, man. They hustle. Uh, last night. You know, we were five for 24 from the three-point range, and that's something we're going to have to improve on as the season goes on. But the fact that we were able to make up for it, the way we play defense, the way we hustle to the ball, the way that we were able to create to create some drives, uh, this team is athletic. I like that about this team. This team is very athletic. I, I'm The biggest concern for me going into this year is when you lose both Terrence Lewis and Jordan Brown, uh, you lose your inside presence. But at the same time, you have enough guards play and enough experience forwards that I think 
if you're athletic enough and you can be and, and, and be fast on the transition and shoot from the perimeter, I think that can make up for it. But that's yet to be seen, right? You got to be more consistent in your shooting and you got to play some good defense to make up for it. And I think that's what we did last night. Yeah, we have good athletes on that team. Whether or not no question that translates into a good basketball team, jury's still out. Obviously, we're just one game into the season, but um, yeah, I, I I like what I saw last night. Toledo's going to tell us a lot. I think the game at Toledo, you're going on the road, you're playing in uncharted uncharted territory, and you're playing a team that went 27 and eight and made it to the MAC finals last year and played Michigan pretty close in the NIT. I mean, that's again, that's the type of team I want to play in, in in the non-conference. That give me that challenge all day, and we'll see what type of team we have this Saturday. So, anyways, moving on, um, let's talk a little bit about what's going around the on around the Sun Belt in basketball. Uh, as you know, last night, the college basketball season officially opened up uh, again. First game, Cajuns victorious over Youngstown State, 72 to 62. Oh, man, you all Monroe uh, go to goes to Houston. Uh, yeah, they really didn't show up and played. Uh, now, granted, Houston's number seven in the country. There's a lot of expectations down in H-Town. Houston Cougars victorious over ULM by the score of 84 to 31. Yeesh. Troy victorious over Fort Lauderdale College, 92 to 47. Coastal Carolina survives Piedmont. I don't even know if Piedmont's D1. I don't think they're D1. What's I've a never, Piedmont? <laughs> I've never heard of them, but yes, Coastal victorious over Piedmont by two points, 88 to 86. Old Dominion victorious over Virginia West Wesleyan by the score of 71 to 57. Marshall victorious over Queens University by the score of 89 to 73. Georgia Southern went to Atlanta to take on the Yellow Jackets of Georgia Tech and came home with a loss, unfortunately, for the Eagles. Georgia Tech victorious over Georgia Southern by the score of 84 to 62. Georgia State traveled to Belmont, lost a heartbreaker to Belmont. Belmont victorious over the Panthers by the score of 89 to 87. Little Rock, former Sunbelt member, host or hosted Texas State last night. The Trojans victorious over the Bobcats by the score of 71-66. to Southern Miss have, has no problem with their crosstown university down in Hattiesburg against William Carey College, 64-42. to The Golden Eagles victorious over William Carey. South Alabama. What the heck, man? South Alabama hosted crosstown college Mobile, University of Mobile. The University of Mobile defeated South Alabama by the score of 83 to 74. They were up on the Jaguars 47 to 23 in the first half. How? I don't know, man. That that How does that happen? That's ugly. I mean, that and that's that's an that's a stain on the conference, you know? It is. Because we're talking about getting better and better scheduling and and then you you drop a game like that. I mean, that's just that's embarrassing. That's terrible. And uh, actually tonight, App State opened their season. They're victorious over Oakland City University or Oakland City College by the score of 87 to 49. And last but not least, JMU goes to Sparty. Number four, Michigan State. The Dukes defeat number four, Michigan State Spartans at their house in overtime by the score of 79 to 76 well done dukes nice win 
Yeah, they don't have to protest the NCAA for inclusion in the NCAA tournament this year. Thank God. I don't have to hear <laughs> from them on that. Hey, you know what, though? Look, that I mean, they may be ranked in the top 25 next week. Who knows for getting a win like that? It won't be for long. <laughs> <laughs> hey, enjoy it while you can, all right? So that's going to do it for the Sun Belt or scores around the Sun Belt in basketball. There's a lot more where that came from starting this week or next week. Again, when the Cajuns travel to Toledo to take on the Rockets. All right, moving on. Volleyball. Cajuns split a weekend series against Southern Miss as they traveled to Hattiesburg last week. Coach Christy Gray and the ladies grinding to the end of the season. Right now, volleyball sits with an overall record of 16-12, and 7-7 and in conference play. They will wrap up the regular season this week. Last uh, home weekend at Earl K. Long as the Cajuns will host the App State Mountaineers. First game is at Friday at 6 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN+. And the final game will be on Saturday at 12 p.m. You can also watch that game on ESPN+. So what better way to send the seniors off with a bang than to head over to Earl K. Long and watch the volleyball team take on App State. And then after that next week, uh, the Cajuns will travel to Foley, Alabama. Uh, starting next Wednesday, the Cajuns will uh, compete in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. So again, uh, Cajuns host App State this week. Final weekend uh, series or final home series. Uh, again, go out there and support the girls and thank the seniors for their time. And let's see if the Cajuns can get over 500 to end the their, their conference slate and um, extend that winning record in the regular season before heading over to the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. I was going to say, um, Southern Mississippi's attendance at those volleyball games were kind of embarrassing. If they want to see how it's done, be sure to tune in to ESPN Plus when we play our next, our final home conference games, because we're going to be packed. You know, we're a big-time program. Yeah, TSEP fans worry about our name. Nick worries about Southern Miss attendance. I know, yeah. they worry about our attendance. I'm just throwing it back at them. <laughs> I, I love know, it, man. I know there's going to be somebody there taking pictures of our of our crowd on Thursday night. And you're going to get tagged. Oh, you're going to get tagged. 100%. Oh, you're, you, you get ready, man. You're going to get tagged. <laughs> you might have to close your Twitter account for a couple of days because you know they're going to uh, – Nick, look at this. Nick, I don't see you. Where's Why is the crowd looking? If we get the dub, I could care less, man. I could care less. I, I love the inside joke because it's funny now that everybody kind of is in on it, you know? And you got – you have some Southern Miss fans that get a little offended, but most of them are pretty much like sometimes they'll show a picture of attendance and like I think somebody tags you like, let's hope Nick doesn't see this. You know? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, y'all y'all started it. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to let it go. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that. What's a little bit of uh, poking, poking the bear, right? Especially this Thursday night. Uh, also of note, softball had their last uh, scrimmage against um, – basically an opponent other than themselves. Uh, they took on McNeese last Friday night, the Cajuns uh, victorious over the Cowgirls by the score of nine to five, closing out their exhibition schedule of, or exhibition. Yeah. Closing out their exhibition fall season at, with a record of six and O. So well done to the Cajun softball team. They will play some intra-squad scrimmages. If you can go to their website and check out the schedule uh, I believe it's this week and next week they'll have some scrimmages if you want to go check them out at Lamson Park. And, of course, baseball. I actually had the chance to go check out the baseball team this past Sunday, Coach Daggs and the Grinders. 
victorious over the Nichols Colonels by the score of 12 to 4. And as you know, the baseball team will travel to Baton Rouge to take on the Tigers. Uh, it will be an 18 inning scrimmage. It'll be this Sunday with the first pitch at 12 noon at Alex Box. So if you got nothing else to do on Sunday, make the drive out to Baton Rouge to Alex Box as the Cajuns take on the Tigers. 18 inning scrimmage, first pitch Sunday at noon. All right, Nick. We talked a lot tonight about all kinds of different stuff, man. We did. But last but not least, predictions. Cajuns have a chance to redeem themselves after what we saw last Saturday against Arkansas State. Playing against a team that uh, has beaten us 10 straight times. We haven't beaten them in 30 years. Nick, is this is this the uh, is this the moment where we finally get over the hump and get a W against the Golden Eagles on the gridiron? I think that Chandler is going to come in and manage the game well. I think he's going to make throws when he needs to make throws, but I think our offensive line is going to be challenged not only to protect him, but to open up some holes for our running game because that really needs to get going after last week. So I do predict a Cajuns victory. I'm calling it uh, Cajuns 31. Mississippi Southern 27. I like, I like, it's a win. That's all that matters. Um, so for me, I, again, we have not played two bad games in a row. I don't expect us to do it again this week. Uh, a lot is going to ride on how Chandler comes in and, and is able to transition as a starting quarterback. I have a lot of faith in him. Uh, and I also think, containing Frank Gore's key and throwing off their tempo where they've been scoring early and where we could score early on them again, flipping the script. I think that actually happens this week. I think we're overdue for it. And I think these guys respond just like they have after the other four losses we've had. I like the Cajuns. I think the Cajuns in the win streak, they extend their streak to one against Southern Miss. I like the Cajuns victorious over the golden Eagles. My final score, Cajuns 28 Southern Miss 17. Yeah, and and look, I'm I'm gonna go back and say it again. Um, Chandler doesn't need to be Brett Favre, especially. I mean, don't go stealing welfare money away don't, from kids. No, no, no. So, but he doesn't need to be outstanding. Um, which he, he could very well come in out be outstanding. But I think Chandler just needs to go in. He needs to manage the game. He needs to be Chandler. And um, I look if he does that, then I I think we'll be fine. We just need to make sure again. Uh, for us to be successful, our offensive line has to show up, protect him, and run block. And I think if we do that, then we'll be in good shape. I just had to throw the Brett Barf thing out there. <laughs> That's cute. Uh, I, there was, um, I think Cajun's Barstool posted an AI image. I of saw Brett that. Favre. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> oh man, I'm loving the trash talk. See, this is what makes it fun having a rival, man. I love it, you know. And and of course. Some of the Southern Miss fans were saying things like, oh, Danny Lynch might play quarterback this week. You better hope Danny Lynch isn't driving the bus to Hattiesburg. I'm like, look, Danny Lynch is not going to be on the football field, so I am not worried about Danny Lynch. He could travel with the team all he wants. He's going to be in the stands, so we don't have to worry about That's him. That's a weird obsession football. they have. That's really strange. Like, I'm starting to get concerned about some of their – maybe we need to send them to the mental health well-being courses on Thursday before the games because that's just weird and creepy. <laughs> Well, look, 
at the end of the day, it's all in fun. I'm fired up about this game. It's long overdue. I'm so glad Southern Miss is finally coming to Lafayette to play us in a football game. And uh, to all the Southern Miss Golden Eagle fans listening, we know some of you are listening and watching. Have a safe trip. But for three hours, we are not friends. We are enemies, and we hope we basically – They're not listening. There's no internet in Hattiesburg. Oh, okay. They might have to I get out the it. rabbit ears. I love it. I love it. Anyways, so that's going to do it for tonight, guys. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. Uh, Nick will have this up a, uh, ASAP, and we will be back, just FYI, after the game on Thursday night to discuss the post game on what we saw against the Golden Eagles. Again, Cajuns kick off against Southern Miss this Thursday night. Uh, kickoff is at 6.30 p.m. Game will be played at Cajun Field. You can watch the game on ESPNU or listen on 103.3 The Goat or Hot 107.9. Want to thank our sponsors. Again, Dr. Brett Venable, Recovery Cairo Med, as well as Absolutely Embroidery and more. Please don't forget, like, subscribe, comment, talk about how great we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Twitch. You can also listen to our audio podcasts or these podcasts via audio on Apple iTunes or Spotify. And um, yeah, got a lot of exciting things happening on Reinhardt Drive, all the way from football to basketball to baseball to softball to volleyball. Best of luck to all of our teams wearing that Louisiana uniform. Hopefully we'll see you at Cajun Field on Thursday. Let's have a good time and let's beat the Golden Eagles. For Nick, I'm Jerry. Thank you guys so much. Go Cajuns. And in the words of the late, great Big Dave Thibodeau, bye, we out of here. See you Thursday night. Go Cajuns.